I'm Dwayne Brummett, he's Ali Alborigo, and this is the School Owner Talk Podcast. Hello once again, Dwayne Brummett here with Ali Alborigo, SchoolOwnerTalk.com. Hey, Ali, great to be with you, sir. Thank you so much, man. I'm excited about today's podcast. Yeah, we've got a special guest on, and uh, you want to introduce him first and how you know him? And Yeah, we we met, uh, Master Cervici and I met at an event that my friend hosts every year called uh, Ma- uh, Memory of the, no, Masters Unite. And uh, uh, Professor Andrew is like my best buddy, and then uh, he introduced us. And it's like, you know, that that type of relationship where you meet someone and you kind of know, like you just like them immediately. Well, him and I kind of hit it off and and then we chatted and some people say we even look alike. I don't know. No, I know. I know. I know. Are you guys family or brothers? Um, but uh, yeah, we met and then we hung out a few more times at other events in Atlantic City once and um, just a great overall guy. Um, Master Savici, he runs, um, he has run multiple schools and- He's a very highly successful school owner in Boston, right? Yes, sir. Thank you so much, both of you, for for allowing me to be on. I really appreciate it. And yes, yeah, and Allie, and great job and great broadcast. I, I listen all the time, and uh, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. So, so we'll jump right in, and it's casual conversation. So, sure. if you have anything you want to say or anything you want to talk about, we do want to mention your martial art tournament that you run at the end and how people could get involved, the extravaganza weekend. Yes. That's coming up. uh, Yeah. We'll definitely talk about that. But uh, so tell, tell us about, I'll start off Dwayne and then you could get the next question. So tell us about your, your kind of quest in the martial arts. You had six schools at one time and um, you and I were discussing privately, like about as we get older, our mindset changes and yeah, tolerance and the perception of what you want to do in your life. And you ask yourself those questions, like, what am I going to do now? And, you know, at this stage in my life, what do I want to do? So give us some insight on that. Yeah. It's kind of like, I, I've kind of uh, come full circle a little bit. I, um, as like most of us, I got into martial arts in the mid seventies and uh, just haven't stopped. And it's really become a way of life. I love it as you folks do. And, um, but at the time, you know, I, I, after college, I got a full-time job. I was working in the criminal justice system as a probation officer. And um, I ended up uh, being in that field for 32 years. Wow. And yeah. And, and it was a great, great uh, service to the community and the, in the state the Commonwealth and uh, really enjoyed it. Um, but, but martial arts really was my passion uh, throughout even that work life balance that we're going to talk about. Um, so I did that. I also ended up going to law school at night um, and uh, I did that in the early nineties. And again, just kind of, figuring out where I wanted to go, what I wanted to be and all that different stuff. So long story short with the martial arts. Yes. I ended up um, opening uh, six locations kind of uh, just North of Boston. Um, uh, My first location I opened in a little town where I grew up. It was called Winthrop mass, Massachusetts, just right outside the airport, Boston Logan airport. And I opened up that school in 1995, actually the year after I graduated law school. And uh, from there, it just, it took off. And I started um, opening up locations kind of like strategically um, for advertising purposes and for staff purposes and things like that and grew it to six locations. And knock on wood, something that you folks uh, may want to talk about too is, you know, I've been blessed uh, by having the the staff that I've had staff with me since 1995. Uh, they're all homegrown. Wow. <laughs> um, the few that I didn't have homegrown, you know, let's just say didn't work out. Uh, I did try that, but um, staff is all homegrown. And uh, I'm blessed to have people by my side covering it because, uh, as you both know, you can't do all of this by yourself. No. You know, so the schools have been going great. Um, I currently run two at the moment. Um, 
as we get a little bit older and like you said, as we chat, uh, kind of life balance uh, might come into play a little bit, which we can get into. Uh, family, um, kind of perspective on life and things like that. So that's where I am right now. And then, you know, I started running events and small events, just kind of like what you guys do, kind of like interest school events, just with my yeah. own programs, right. which turned out great. Um, and I never expected uh, to be having these, what has now become international events um, that I that I promote and run um, yearly. Never, never dreamed that it would come to this. And uh, I'm blessed with that too, because there's no way in, in heck that both of you know that when you run an event, no matter how small, how large, again, you can't do it yourself. It's just impossible. So knock on wood, I've been, yeah. I've been blessed. So I'm doing it full time now. I uh, left the, um, the uh, probation service in 2018 um, and doing this full time. So Wow, great. Yeah. So I'm really enjoying it. I'm teaching a lot. I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one private training um, and running these events and just trying to get uh, as much uh, exposure for my students as possible by bringing in other instructors from other disciplines. Right. Um, and it's fantastic. It's fantastic. I'm very lucky. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Thank you. So Dwayne, what do you think? Any, any questions real quick? Yeah. I'm thinking I need to take a, a, a road trip over to the East coast. Let's so go. Was, let's go. It was just in Pennsylvania. So I just needed to go a little bit farther. You no, know? So we'll, we'll arrange that. We'll arrange that. <laughs> No, I, I'm not trying to push myself. I'm just saying that that sounds fun. Yeah. Um, so I got how old were you when you I know you said in the 70s, but like how old were you when you first started into the martial arts and, and what I mean, I know as a young kid for me, of course, I pretended like I always knew karate even well before, you know, I was ever in martial arts. Right. Um, I'm assuming the same thing as, you know, growing up as a young boy, you always pretended like you knew something, even if you didn't. But right. how did you how did you get introduced and, and then kind of grow from there? Yeah, kind of a crazy, crazy, funny story, actually. So I think it was 1975 or the end of 74. I lived in this small town I mentioned to you before. It's called Winthrop. And it's a very small, close knit community just outside of the airport. And um, there was a family in town that ran, um, actually it was out of their house. They had like kind of a athletic compound where one of the siblings would teach yoga. One of them, you know, would teach swimming lessons. Another member of the family would, would teach something else. And one of the sons taught martial arts. So, I had no idea what it was, what I was getting into and what have you. So a friend of mine asked, said, hey, you want to come to a karate class with me? Oh, yeah, well, that's fine. So one class, that's all I did. I, uh, I went to one class with a buddy of mine and I was sold. Um, I said, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And what I ended up doing, I wanted to kind of get a um, become part of like a formalized program because this, again, was great, but it was... You know, it was just something that the, they were doing part time and running out of the house. So I joined uh, my first Kempo school um, in East Boston, which is right over the line of Winthrop and uh, a formalized school. And, uh, you know, kind of have stayed with the same system for almost 50 years now. That's mm. amazing. Yeah. That's so then. Go ahead. No go, ahead. no, go on. I was going to say, it's funny that. Um, you're a Kempo guy. And when I go out to breakfast every Wednesday, I'm surrounded by a table of Kempo guys, only one jujitsu guy out of like seven of us. And the rest are Kempo guys. Oh, so that's, that's most, interesting. most of my friends are Kempo people. Like, it's amazing. I don't know why I did Kempo when I was younger as well, but um, all my buddies are Kempo people. It's How's that uh, John Buster doing? He's doing great. Doing he's good? one of my, friend, my friends that is a Kempo guy, right? Yeah. He's great guy. Great guy. I miss great talking guy. to him. Yeah, good guy. So I'm sorry, Dwayne. Go ahead. You were going to ask. No, you're fine. I was just curious, like, then how did you transition into, you know, w wanting to open up a school and, 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 you know, from there? I mean, I obviously, know. multiple locations probably came from, you know, you're raising up your own students. And then the logical thing is, okay, let's open up another one. But yeah. So I, again, back to the small little town of Winthrop. And like I said, I grew, grew up there and all of my, 
it, it was just my brother and I, but my mother and father were very well known in the community. My father was a was an attorney in the town and surrounding area for 50 plus years. So we had some really uh, fortunate name recognition, I guess you could say, in a small town. Um, I literally was walking down the street one day on a side street and I looked in, uh, I was with my wife, we had uh, just gotten married and I looked over and it was an empty barbershop, uh, was a bar barbershop, was a little location. It couldn't have been more than 600 square feet. And I said, her name is Laura. I said, wow, this would be a great place to open a karate school. She's looking at me, I'm looking at her and you know, whatever. So then the thought just went out and I said, you know, I could open up a school put my name on it because the name recognition of the town and i bet you i do pretty well i'll do it like on a part-time basis my brother um i was teaching my brother at the time and he uh, i said well peter could help me out you know and uh just do it maybe a couple of nights a week and on a saturday and see how it goes well fast forward that little 600 square feet and i was right luckily you know first day i opened i had a great number of students just by putting grand opening in the name and that little square foot went to the wall being broken down to like 1500 square feet and that went to purchasing a building across the street and having my own freestanding building um so kind of i don't know it, it spiraled and i developed and i mentioned this earlier a great core of people and i i met so many nice people uh we've become tremendous friends. They're like family to me. And I just, from the logical step is like, well, let me open up another, are you, you know, I'd approach an instructor or a black belt, senior black belt and say, are you interested in running a school or opening up a school, even on a part-time basis? Can you teach? And it just evolved. It evolved mm -hmm. in six locations and I'm blessed. And not all, it's not all rosy, as you know, it's yeah, not yeah. Rosy, you know, uh, one of the locations I, I made a conscious decision to close, um, which is always difficult to do. But it's also, you know, you've got to have the smarts to say, hey, wait a minute, this isn't cutting it, you know. Um, so I did close one and that, you know, it that bruises your ego. But from a financial standpoint, it just wasn't working. Um, so then I. I just continued on further north. Um, I moved to the North Shore of Boston, and then I ended up opening uh, four other locations uh, in the North Shore of Boston, where I currently reside. Wow! So better a better a bruised ego than a than a drained bank account. Yeah, and so many people, I think, you know, <laughs> with the ego, and you know, there's a lot of egos in martial arts, right? That's um, what Allie says. I don't, I haven't run across it. <laughs> yeah, you know, Allie, you know. Uh, there's, there's a lot of egos and sometimes, you know, we just don't want to let go. But, uh, you know, from the business sense, you like you said, you have to understand where the priority lies. And I knew I'd be able to um, pick up, move on and continue on, which uh, thankfully uh, I have. I've been blessed. Been blessed. Yeah. And you, and you gotta have your family behind you too, because this is this can be tough, as you both know. It's tough. Um, you're out late evenings, sometimes Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, you're traveling, you're doing different things, you're answering calls at night, and now with the new age of social media, you know, you're doing different things and all the time. Yeah, and I still get, you know, I still get slack from on the home front, but um you know, thank God to have a supportive family and children that, that kind of understood the life, you know? Yeah. Well, you're an, you're an anomaly, uh, really, with regards to the fact that, you know, you stayed married through all of that. Uh, you're able to raise a couple of kids through all of that. Um, yep. And that's not the norm in, uh, I mean, in the United States in general, but it, in the martial arts industry, just the uh, amount of people that do not stay together, it's it's tremendous. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I have so many friends that have been divorced and they blame, you know, uh, they blame it on the the spouse, but not necessarily on their lifestyle. And it is tough, you know, like you got to put that time in. I, I remember 
when I had my daughter and she was born, I remember saying, I'm going to spend time with her. And if she needs me, I'll drop anything that I'm doing. I could be on the mid phone call with a client. And if she says, I come on dad more than once, three times was my rule. I would say, guys, I'm going to have to get back to you. Something came up and then I'd hang up the phone and spend time with her. But I lost a lot of my black belts when I started to shift away from being there every single day, 24 seven kind of thing. And, and I wanted to spend time with my daughter and they basically quit if they couldn't be with me and I couldn't get, and by the way, it didn't matter whether they didn't show up. It only mattered that if they showed up and I wasn't there, Correct. then they were mad at me and they were all quitting. And I lost a lot of my black belts because I couldn't babysit them. And I thought they should be helping me out at this time in need, right? They should be right. the ones stepping up and being happy to do it, but it doesn't work that way. It's the WIIFM what's in it for me society. Right. And I think that sometimes we get caught in that too, because when we start our programs or, or doing whatever, we want it to be successful. So we're there all the time. Right. And then, like you said, um, people, I don't use the word spoil, but sometimes get really used to that attention. And I want to be with this person. He's the guy, she's the woman, right. whoever is running the school. And like you said, when you try to step away, obviously for family and for other other legitimate reasons, it becomes difficult with the business. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really is. You know, and um, a lot of people, you know, I tell people all the time, and I know you guys do too, is we're providing and facilitating uh, what I believe to be some life-changing skill sets. And... Yes. Um, the benefits, you know, we can talk about at some point, you know, uh, all of us feel what the benefits of martial arts can and should be. Um, but at the same time, we do have to pay, you know, we get, it's a business in the sense yeah. that, you know, whether it's a rent, whether it's a mortgage, whether it's payroll, whether it's insurance, whether, you know, we've got bills to pay. Yeah, right. Um, and you got to make sure that it happens. So like you said, Ali, is, you know, Sometimes when you're not there, uh, things suffer. Yeah, I find that interesting. Like I, my whole life, I mean, I've been open going on 33 years this year. And I find it interesting that how ever since I started, I people look at you like it's some monk, like a monk that works for free and you shouldn't have money. You shouldn't, you know, you should be pulling up on an old donkey to the dojo. Like they expect you to be this kind of like, I don't know, like almost like, you know, um, altruistically only person. And uh, they don't realize that it's a business. Like I just had a parent that I had a kick out of my school just two days ago because he didn't come to our awards banquet for our dinner. So her, his two kids didn't get an award, but okay. he, he wanted the war, award anyway. Mm -hmm. And I said, but we only order them for the people who come to the dinner. Like we don't have, we don't buy an extra hundred to just give away to people who don't feel like coming. And so he said, well, I pay you a lot of money. I, I better get that award or I'm quitting. And I said to him, my next answer was, that's really sad to hear. I like your kids, but what would be your last day today or tomorrow? Right. And he and said, he looked at you. Yeah. Well, no, he wasn't. This was all through messenger actually. Oh, okay. And um, so he said, uh, uh, tomorrow. You know, like, I'm like, oh, let's do it as of today. I got it and I'll take care of it. And I did. I canceled this membership because I'm so tired of that people assuming that it's the money and it's not really at all. Even though we make a good living, we don't do it for the money. And I don't know if people understand that, like, especially lay people, like, you know, the, the, the customer, they don't. Well, get uh, and I, what I like that you did was you, you, you were the buyer. In right. that situation, you know, right. you didn't allow you didn't you didn't allow him to be the buyer. You said, "Yeah, okay," like you didn't even argue. Eh, we're not gonna. You're, you're done. Like, when's yeah. your last day? Right. And, yeah. and I'm I'm glad that you did that. I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, no, not to cut me off at all. Sorry to cut you off. Is that you know the mentality before? Remember, I mean, two of you remember. You know, when we're all starting, you know, if someone said they wanted to quit or something, we we're like, "Oh, oh my God, I'm gonna lose a student." Um, and at all costs, you know, would be beg borrowing and whatever to, to keep the student. And I think, you know, when you reach, you know, 30 plus years in business and, and you've seen it all and done it all, you know what you do for people. Um, both of you do. And I do myself is then you can say no. Yeah. You know, no is an answer. No is a good answer. Um, and you well, feel no is, a, no is a complete sentence. hundred percent. Right. 
And you feel okay with that because what's that gentleman going to do afterwards? If you have, whether you have another event or you have a tournament or you, whatever, is that expectation of me, 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 um, it's just going to continue. So yeah, I, I, I applaud you for that, Ellie. Yeah. It's, it's hard though. Like you said, even after years, you know, you never want to, like, I want every one of my students to start at young age, grow up to be adults, have kids, set their kids up in the program and everyone in the family will train eventually. But we exactly. know it's not realistic that everyone does that. Some will, but it's a hard thing to accept because we love our martial art and our school. It's our baby. Right. And we can't, understand why people may not love it as much as we do and realize the benefits and understand how lucky they are and, and so on and so forth. That's, that's tough for me still in this day and age. Do you think that, uh, let me ask both of you a question. So you know how everybody will say to us, um, you know, this school opened up over here or this studio opened up over here. That's competition. And, and, you know, I'll always say, and I know you too, that that's not competition. That's good. Our competition is, is, um, you know, maybe sports or, right. or right. Local town athletics or in this day and age, as you know, you've got forget town sports growing up. I played one sport, one season. Yeah. There was only like the town sports. And now you've got, they don't even do town. It's like AAU, this, that, uh, yeah. this double team, special team. They're on this, this team and that. And they go in seven days a week. And I think that I wanted to throw this out to you is that a lot, the martial arts industry as a whole, I think, has not caught up to speed in really selling the benefits of what we do. And I think a lot of parents still, um, less with the adults, obviously, but the parents still see it as an activity or a hobby, right? Yeah. And you were mentioning, Allie, and that's what just triggered it to me is, you know, we eat, drink, and sleep this stuff. Yeah. It becomes part of our soul and it's it's part of our, you know, uh, our daily life. You know, other people may not see that as a, you know, as a place to drop the kid off. Let me go do a few errands, come back. Oh, you don't like it. When's the season end? I often get questions. I go, what yeah. do you mean when's the season end? Yeah. I go, no, we go 12 months, 365, couple of holidays were closed. We're ready to go. Yeah. Look at you. Huh? Yeah. So I don't think, you know, this, I know it doesn't apply to us, but I just don't think the education of what we actually do and how we can actually change people's lives and, and on a daily basis resonates far and wide. And I really think that, you know, maybe we can be a catalyst, the three of us, to try to make sure that that happens, you know? I think that, Dwayne, do you want to go first or? No, I can go second. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, because I always just jump right in and I don't want to <laughs> cut you off. But so, I think the answer to that question of changing how it is, and it's not easy, is no. brain is brainwashing. And I don't say that as a joke. There's a great book out called Brandwashing, mm. and it's all about brand recognition, brandwashing. It was amazing, the book, and then how they did a study of a, a young couple. They moved them in. They weren't even actually a couple, but they pretended them to be, and they moved them into this cul-de-sac in this very wealthy area. Uh -huh. And then they started hosting parties, inviting the neighbors over, and they were test brand test brand testing a wine, a shampoo, and they would talk about it. And until they found like within a few months that all the people who wanted to be cool were all using the brands at this new couple. They were selling their cars and buying Range Rovers like they had and getting a built-in pool put in. Like they literally brand washed the entire community. And in the study from the book, I don't remember what it was where, but it's on YouTube and they show the actual study and how it changed things, you know, throughout. You know, so while, the reason why I say that is we the only way we're going to win is if we can get people behind what we do and educate them on why, because we would hope they would get it. They would understand, but they're not going to because it's not the society anymore. Right. No. You know, years ago when I was growing up, I was honored to be in my teacher's dojo. Now they're like the guy said to me, well, if you don't if you don't give my kid his award, um, you know, I'm going to uh, I'm going to go somewhere else. Like because he can he could go down the road to someone else. It's that easy. He doesn't feel we're special. He doesn't feel that we're that all that great because he's easily able to pick up and move on. 
right? Yeah, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think that piggybacks on, oh, Dwayne, okay, you go. Uh, no, I was just going to say when I first started, I, I looked at, a, at mother, other martial arts schools as my competition. Yeah. Then I, I we graduated. All did, yeah. Then I graduated to looking at other uh, activities as my competition. Mm -hmm. Now I look at neither as my competition. And here's, right. here's my point is there are no other quote unquote activities that can build a human being like my martial arts program, right? Maybe, maybe others martial arts program, but no other martial arts school yeah. in my area does what we do with regards to the leadership development. Number one. Yep. Uh, so that obviously talks about character development skills and I'm sure other schools talk about the character development skills, but can they pull out the actual manual or manuals or curriculum that they're using to build these human beings right. with those skills? Second is on a physical fitness or on a self-defense side, we have four arts that we encompass to have a holistic self-protection program for our students. So from the ground to close quarters, to stand up to like, you know, uh, impact weapons, knives, guns, all of those things. Mm -hmm. No other school is doing that. And then lastly, the physical fitness development with regards to the, then um, I don't generically saying push-ups and pull-ups and sit-ups yeah, yeah. and all those things, but um, strategically improving our students at each level. So I don't look at any of those quote unquote activities and or those other martial arts schools as competition at all, because they're not even in the same realm that I'm in. Now, no with doubt. all of that being said, I have to be really good at communicating those things That's to my clients so that they see, wow, there is a difference between my my martial art, my kids' martial arts school, and my kids' friends' martial arts school. Number one, the uh, physical activities that my kid is in—they're doing so much better in comparison to some of the other kids because of their physical fitness ability right. at their level because of the martial arts school. And then, you know, obviously the character development with the with you know the the leadership skills and those type of things. So. Again, I have to be able to communicate that not just once. That's got to be an ongoing communication. Yeah. So that they, they're being not only just sold on the program, but resold on the program over and over and over again. Does that make sense? Makes sense. And I think, you know, it, it, it's that's the part that I was alluding to. And there's no question, there's no doubt as um, as I sit here today with 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 both of you that um, the programs that we teach, you know, we really believe that, you know, this is some other good programs, obviously, but many do not do what we do and instill in people. And I think the issue becomes, like you just said, Dwayne, is yes, we have to get that message out over and over again to our students, but we also have to make sure that we get that message out to, to to the general public and our students get that out to their friends. And it's almost like a referral program, you know, a referral program because, you know, you still get the, while we know, like you said, that our programs are what they are, there's still enough martial arts schools where parents will say, what's the cheapest one and which is the closest. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they don't know. Yeah. Paul or Dwayne or Allie has been doing this the entire life and dedicating this 24 seven, or is it, you know, some, you know, some person that just decided to start something, uh, a business and do whatever because yeah. their friends go there, you know, you see, I've tried, I've been trying over the last five or six months is to decode what's going on, like to find out why. Yep. And I think I've found that, we do what we do because we love it and we know what it is, right? But no matter how much we say what it is and how great it is, there are going to be people that are just going to ignore 
what we say because they don't have the aptitude to understand it at the level we do. Like they don't know how it's going to change their kid's life. Like, for example, I just had a family of three love the kids. They're actually young. They started when they were like two. Now they're like four years old, five years old. And um, they're just starting to get good. Like right now, really get good. Right. And they just quit. They stopped, but they, they quit in a great way. The mom said, we love your school. The kids love your school. My husband loves the school. So I'm like, so then why are you quitting in my mind? Like, why would you quit something? Um, she's like, we just want to do other things. We just feel that they should learn other things. And for them, that's the way they think. And that's how they govern as a family. It's not, right. they don't see it as, oh my God, if we stay with this forever, you know, we're going to change their lives when they're 20 and 30 years old. They just are, they're trying to get them to be as well blended and well-rounded as they could in everything. They think that that's the parenting success, you know? So like we have to somehow brainwash, brand, you know, brandwash or explain, but they're going to be a good majority, like, you know, probably 50 to 60% of our families and parents and students that they're just going to hear us and it's going to go in one year and out the other, like no matter yeah. what. Hundred percent. I, uh, you know, close to home for me. One of my, um, he's deceased now. One of my instructors, uh, his name was Larry Garen. He was a real mentor to me for many, many years, and um, he really took a liking to my son. And he said to me, "Paul, your son is going to be a spokesperson." And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" I know, you know. So I, my son and my daughter. We're in it since they were three or four years old, obviously, right? Um, you have to come to karate. You have to come to karate. But to this day, him being married and 26 years old, he always put about martial arts on his resume. Yeah. And I cannot tell you whether he was applying for school, whether he was applying for a job. The interviewers were more interested than the martial arts. Yeah. Then you know where he went to school and what grade point average he had and what work yeah. experience, right? So he'll always say, Dad, I will use that I did this, I did that in the martial arts. It's worked out so well for me. And and obviously he shows the benefit, right? Yeah. He talked about the discipline and the structure and the time sure. management and all those things. And it's like that, you know, you see it close to home, and like you said, decoding. How do we get that message out as yeah. a group? As you know, we spend, I mean, you guys look, look at what you do for marketing. And I know Ali on a personal note, you're the marketing guru, right? Um, look how much spent time we spend marketing, right? Yeah. How much do we spend marketing to really get out there specifically with analytics to show how much we're changing people's lives? I don't know the answer to that. Right. You know, I don't know the answer to that. And, you know, it might be a nice roundtable discussion. Itself. Well, they think about the old 1980s campaigns with Got Milk, like, right, the milk thing. They were pushing, yep. which, by the way, I'll just as a vegan, I'll say milk is probably the worst thing you could ever eat. Yeah. Right. Like it's does so much bad for you know, asthma and, and, you know, all this stuff for children and allergens and so on. Um, but, uh, I would have to say that that campaign probably got so many people to drink milk because the overall campaign was, you know, the celebrities with milk must. Yes. Yes. And, you know, drink milk, big, huge glass of milk. Like we were brainwashed to yep. do it. As if that was the only place that you could get your vitamin D. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And yeah. it's almost like, Bones. I don't, yep. I don't know if you remember when McDonald's used to have the hamburgers growing um, and kids were not eating them because they, they knew that they were made from cows. Right. right. So, so what they did was they switched a campaign and they made them grow on a plant. So there was in the cartoon, there was a plant with the burger growing on top of the plant to take away the stigma of them killing animals. So that campaign was the hamburger burglar, right? And stealing the hamburger. It was like they they were subtly brainwashing people to eat the way they do. And that's why our society does what it does, because we've been brainwashed for everything. Yep. Advertising, right? Advertising. And it's just amazing. Um, but uh, I think that's the biggest dilemma. And by the way, the last comment I think I have on parenting and students in the martial arts is we look at commitment as a good thing. We say, 
you know, you we, well, you'll learn commitment, you'll learn self-discipline, you'll learn focus. But sometimes a parent says, like, I don't know if I want to commit to a whole nother activity three days a week, hour a day, or whatever it is, two hours of travel, because I just don't have the energy. Because parents are exhausted these days. I, Rightfully so. You know, so so like we're up against yeah. that as well. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and you know it goes back to also on that commitment level. Whether a school does, you know, just a month to month, or does in a uh, contract slash agreement or whatever, whatever it does is fine. But you're right. You in that enrollment class, I think it's so crucial that we explain to families that it is a commitment. Yeah. If you want to see the, you know, if Johnny's coming in here because you want him to be able to focus better, right? And that's what's so important that the three of us do when, when families come in and they have that enrollment conference, find out what they're looking for, what they need and what's your expectations. So if they want Johnny to focus more, that's not going to happen in, in 30 days. Right. And that commitment factor, like you said, scares a lot of people. Yeah. Irrespective if it's part of your business plan or not, just that you need to come and show up, right? Yeah. yeah. For some amount of time, right? Yeah. You don't have to right. be here forever, but some amount of time. Right. Um, you know, and that, I think it's imperative and, and, and crucial for us to explain that upfront. Yeah, it's like being a diabetic, right? You have to change your diet and your exercise routine for it to have long-term results, right? Right. Most people, though, will just rather take a pill and keep on. Like my my dad, rest his soul, he was a great guy, retired cop, and uh, a bodybuilder his whole life, and he ended up with diabetes and then Parkinson's, right? And my stepmom would cook for him, like, you know, fried chicken, and they'd have soda and big gulps, and I'm like... Dad, the medicine, the medicine's not going to fix the problem. If, if, especially now that you think you're taking the medicine, you're going to eat twice as bad right, as right. you did before, right? So, like, people want the quick fix. So, like, I want my kid to learn discipline, but I don't want to commit to the program. Well, then, then you don't want them to learn discipline if you're, and and I get it, I really do because I get, I could see the tie, the exhaustion in people's eyes, those parents, as they sit at my table and they have three other kids. And they're enrolling one or two other kids. It's tough. So it's tough. Yeah. Single parents. You got a mom with the carrying the, uh, you know, the bassinet there and the other kids screaming and we're telling them, you know, you got to commit. I get it. Right. We get it. it. Yeah. We got to do. I love what you said though. You have to sit down and say, listen, almost like a slap into reality. Like if you want this, you need to commit. There's no other way of doing it. I think setting that tone up front, um, makes a difference. And I know that both of you feel that same way, you know, it's a commitment. And like you said, you know, the, what we do can be life-changing. We all, the three of us and and several others could sit here and and spend hours talking about how, how people's lives have changed and they've come back and told us are they with us and they've changed. There's no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I just, um, I, I think that we have to do a better job and whether you call it decoding or whatever, to get, like you said, Dwayne, all the great things that you are doing at your program that, like you said, other schools may mention it, but aren't doing it. And certainly other activities in and of themselves are not singularly doing it. And I always tell the parents too, I'm not saying quit hockey. Hockey's great. Basketball's great. Soccer's great. My kids played sports. This helps their sports. Yeah. You want their footwork to be better for soccer? Dojo. You want speed? Dojo. You want hand-eye coordination? Dojo. Right? It's it's getting that constant affirmation out there that yeah. just that we don't want you to just do karate. Right. Let the kids try everything. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like that family of three that quit. Uh, the one boy I watch him, I'm friends with him on Instagram. He's now wrestling and killing it, killing it. And yeah. I said to the mom before they left, I said, Wow, he's really doing good. She's like, Yeah. I go, where do you think he learned all that stuff? <laughs> Right. Like, do they make that connection as though? They didn't though. They they right? don't. They they really have no clue. Like it's amazing. Well, and that's why I think uh, and I always tell my instructors this. I don't know how well they do it. And I'm not trying to say in comparison to me, but it's just I I do this naturally is I teach while I teach. Right. And and I'll give you a for instance. We had a black belt test in January 
Uh-huh. And one of the kids was doing something on the test and I called them out and I said, why are you doing that? And she says to me, I, I don't know. And I I go, I go, well, let me ask you a question. If you worked for me and I asked you, why are you doing something? And you told me, I don't know. How long would you keep your job? Right. True. She's like, uh, and she's probably nine, 10 years old. And she goes, I probably wouldn't. I go, no, you wouldn't. Right. I said, so I'm going to ask that question again. Why were you doing this? And she goes, I wasn't paying attention. I said, yes. And I already knew the answer. Of course. But I needed you to verbalize that. And then I'd done that at a few different times with different things throughout the test. Well, towards at the end of the test, we do a wrap up. And I turned to the parents and I said, parents, what better place for your kids to learn how to operate and function, not only in the studio, but outside of the studio, in the yeah. classroom, at schools, in later on when they're working for someone or yeah. working with someone. Yeah. I said, you saw that demonstrated today, didn't you? That's yeah. important, right? Yes. Like I had to teach while I was teaching. Right. Absolutely. And so do you, so the parents, um, you allow the parents to be present um, during class? Yes, no, some do, some don't. I, I have my parents in my lobby, which is a separate room off off from the classroom, and they watch via the monitors. That's a great idea, too. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Dwayne? Yeah, it's open. I mean, I got a one floor plan and it's open. Everybody can yeah. see it. Yeah, I got the same. And, and, and I, I really agree with you. You know, I was of the opinion, you know how we go through these cycles, right? I went, I don't know, maybe in the 90s, keep everybody out. It's a distraction, you know, da, da, da. And, you know, my view of that completely did a 360. And I am so uh, for, like you just said, having the parents come in and teaching the parents and the kids at the same time, because everything we do, and this is what I tell my instructors, and I know you tell the same, everybody's watching it, right? They may be on their phones in the lobby or in your waiting room alley. Uh, they're watching, right? Yeah. Those are their kids. They're watching. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I tell the instructors, don't think that you're not being watched. Everything you say, everything you do, the way that you're dressed, the way that you approach, the way that you talk, you're mm-hmm. being scrutinized every single day. Yes. Um, and I think it's it, it's important, you know, again, back to the image thing, too, is another thing that we didn't, you don't know, talk about how many martial arts programs will tout that they do A, B and C. And again, I'm not knocking martial arts programs. I'm just saying all all service industries. But, you know, I wouldn't even dream of this, but someone swearing or someone saying something, in, you know, inappropriate, I'll lie, you know, right. it's just. You know, we're being scrutinized and we got yeah. to realize that. You know? And there's a lot of people, though, sadly, as everyone knows that they shouldn't act like that. However, you look at instructors and I, I visit I used to visit schools all the time. Right. And I would walk in. They don't know who I am. I just happen to be in town and I'd walk in. And number one, I'd get ignored for like 20 minutes. They wouldn't even say hi to me. Number two, if I did ask a question, they gave me an attitude or if I introduced myself as a martial art teacher, they would get a little bit confrontational, like, like, what are you doing here? Like that kind of thing. But um, I once went in a school, uh, Sergio Von Schmeling from Florida. Okay. And, uh, I walked in and the instructor saw me walk in. I guess obviously he didn't recognize me. He immediately said, hey, whoever, Joey, take the count on the, on the class. And he walked off the floor, shook my hand, walked me to the front desk and said, you know, as he's talking to me, like, why are you here? And I explained just to visit, say hello. I'm going to give you to my program manager, ask any questions you want. I'm going to go back on the floor and teach. Like they had it down. Like I felt like, oh my God, I felt special, even though I wasn't joining a school. Yeah. So some schools, they like, yeah, can I help you? Like attitudes. Like, like what are you doing here? Right. What are you doing here? Yeah, yeah. What drives me nuts is, like you said, you you can go in anywhere. You could go into a store to buy food or do whatever, and you're waiting there for 15, 20 minutes yeah. while they see you. Yeah, right? and ignore and, you. And they ignore you. And yeah. you, you tell your staff, hey, listen, you know, customer service 10.0, you can't do that. Yeah. You, know, you can't do that. Three-second yeah. rule. 
boom, go get them, right? I've walked out of many high-end car dealerships with expensive cars because they ignored me. And I said to my daughter, we're going to wait five more minutes. Let's see if they come over. Like I'm teaching her business. Yeah. They don't come within five minutes. We're walking out of here. And by the way, I, I had a Dodge Viper at the time. So I pull up in my Viper looking at the Audi A6 or whatever it was, A8. Yep. And they ignored me. I literally was like, they, there was 20 people on the sales floor, not one person in the showroom. And not one person walked over and said, could I help you? If you have any, even if they said, if you have any questions, just come and get us. We don't want to bother you. But they ignored me and I left. They didn't even come out and say, hey, can I help you? Or like nothing. No, you just want to be acknowledged. Even if they're yeah. busy, right? You'd exactly. say, I'll be right with you. Would you like a glass of water? Can I yeah. be right? You know, whatever. No, yeah, exactly. No, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. I was just going to say, I look at the, um, I always told my instructors, this is I look at the floor as a stage yeah. and all the students are actors and I'm the director mm -hmm. and the parents in the lobby are the audience. And so I have to create the best show in that half an hour, 45 minute time span yeah. that the actors are having a great time. Yeah. And they're following the script to a T mm -hmm. and the audience is having a wonderful time and being, and, and, and sometimes even on an emotional roller coaster when needed. So right. suspense to laughter to, you know, whatever it is, not crying, but you know, from whatever it is, yeah. that's the performance. That's the show yeah. so true. that has to happen and yeah. not in a uh, fake way. Right. You know, again, not that we're not teaching real martial arts and not that it's a romper room type thing, but in a way that is engaging that people go, yep, I want to go back for more. Yeah. But if you, if you use that analogy of them being actors and they have multiple um, stage performances through the night, right? First class, second class, they have to be on every one with the same enthusiasm and they're actors. You don't act angry. You act happy. Even if you're not happy inside <laughs> like in my head, you know, how many times I've said, Oh my God, this kid is like, yes, ha you know, half out of it, you know, and like, what's wrong with him, you know, but you're right though, Dwayne, that's important. But that's why at the end of the night, I need, when everybody leaves, I need that half an hour of silence. I need yeah. to decompress. I can I remember my, my wife I, going, you know, why does it take you so long to get home? I need, <laughs> yeah, that's so, yeah. I need to be alone. And I didn't really know how to articulate that at the time. No, I get it. But it was, I, I needed that. You do I, need it. You, you absolutely do need it. And I think that it's interesting because I constantly have this discussion and whether it's uh, a spouse or family member or whatever, no matter how long that the individual either knows us or uh, is with us, unless they're doing what we're doing, right? they still don't understand it. Like yeah. I, you know, my family members understand that, hey, you know, he's doing A, B, and C, but they don't really know yeah. what I'm doing. So that half hour, like you said, Dwayne, I'd be getting a call. Where are you? How come you said you'd be home at 9 and it's now 9.20? And that goes back to, you know, the fact that if we're going and running our schools the way that the three of us are running our schools, it's a lot more than just putting on that uniform, doing your thing, taking it off and going home. Right. Um, I always say, and, and I know you'll agree with me. I run a, um, I have this kind of parent company where I do like uh, similar to like you guys do too, is do some business consulting on the side to martial arts schools and um, you know, to just try to help them to develop because a lot of martial arts schools, what especially since COVID, but even pre COVID have suffered closed and, yeah, really having a tough time. Right. So I tell these clients of mine that, you know, I said, you know, staff development is right up there. Could right. Be, could be number one. Yeah. And they're looking at me like, what? I go, yeah, staff development. Yeah. So it's it, like you're saying, Dwayne, you got to be able to alias do I have to, we have to be able to convey about the the actors and the audience and, and yeah. the director and everything. We have to convey that consistently. Uh -huh. 
whether it's staff meetings, whether that's retreats that we go out on and we talk about business planning or whatever, that has to be taught. And the other thing is people will say to me, well, how do you get people to stay with you so long? Like your, your staff. Yeah. Go back to the staff development thing. Go listen, listen, you groom your staff. This doesn't just happen overnight. Right. these 13-year-old kids and 12-year-old kids that are holding the focus mitt for the four- and five-year-olds are the ones that are running my school now. Right. Right? That started when they were five. Mm. you got to develop that yeah. and nurture that. So yeah. another responsibility that we have, if we want our programs, we're not going to be around forever, and we can't be there, God forbid, if we got sick to the point that we couldn't. We need to make sure that the show goes on. Right. right. Show's got to go on. So that staff development piece and the importance of, of like you both said about the curriculum and the way that we approach people walking in the door and teach those classes and teach to the parents is huge, huge. Can I ask you, um, because we're getting close on time, which just goes by so darn quick, right? Yeah, we're like eight eight minutes. But I would like to know your thoughts on, because you and I are around the same age, one year apart. Yep. And um, we've been doing it for a very long time. Dwayne's still a young guy. Like, he's so young. Keep on opening those schools, Dwayne. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. But um, what are your thoughts on your future retirement at a certain age? Are you going to pull back and just oversee like what, what are your goals? And cause it's hard as a martial artist to kind of slowly step out a little and, or maybe not teach as much and give the reins to other people. That's always been hard. It's scary, right? It's scary. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. It's scary. So I don't know. I've gone through this transformation. I think, you know, I just recently turned 60. And like you said, we're close in age that. So when I left uh, the probation service in 2018, I really dug into this really strongly um, from all different levels. And um, like I tell people too, even though our discussion today really focused on how important is teaching and being on the floor, I sometimes feel that that's the easy part. Um, And this is where I'm going with it is that uh, what we do under the hood, so to speak, that people can't see, I think is very challenging. You know, we're dealing with staff. So we're an HR director. You know, we've got staff that have may have an issue or whatever. So sometimes we play social worker and psychologist, you know, you sometimes feel you need to have your MBA to effectively manage all of the components of your business. Mm -hmm. You know, we're trying to deal with work-life balance because we, even though the kids are older and all that, there's still stuff you got to do. And you want to talk about self-care too, right? We want to make sure that we stay healthy, which sometimes we put ourselves last, which, um, at this age now starts to take effect. And we, we talked about that a little bit earlier. So to answer your question, Ali, I think that way that I'm feeling is now with two locations from six, and I really feel that I've, I've, I've made a big impact the two now. So I'm gradually decreasing my time. Actually, I do a lot of private lessons, as I mentioned. So I'm cutting back a little bit on the number of lessons that I teach. And I'm now doing more of that Dwayne's word of of directing and managing the day-to-day operations. But also, if we don't become professional, professional but wise delegators, uh, would never be able to do this, uh, whether it be the programming, uh, the dojos, or the events that we run. You have to develop, nurture, and uh, have staff that are willing to step in. Yeah. So I'm now putting more responsibility on those senior staff members that have been with me 10, 15, 20, 25 years to um, do a lot of the things that I was doing. Right. So. I don't think that any of us are ever to retire, but I think that the focus of what we want to spend time in, and I mentioned to you briefly that 
I'm really excited because I'm bringing in a lot of new programming to the school, you know, so even though having this Kempo background and Gojiru background and Japanese Jiu-Jitsu background, I've met so many great friends and, and colleagues now. I'm, you know, I have veteran Tai Chi instructors in here on Sundays and Qigong and uh, Kung Fu instructors. Um, we're going to be doing a, a, a BJJ workshop coming up on March 1st, and we'll bring that in. And it, we have lion dancing in here that where the kids are practicing for, to perform for Chinese New Year. So I really have this goal of really unifying all martial arts um, and, and, and having people realize that the benefits can be huge no matter what you choose to do. And it's not one art versus the other. Hmm. That's awesome. And that's, you know, that's what I'm really trying to do with the extravaganza. Um, yeah. I don't know Let's if you have a couple of minutes that. to yeah. talk about, that, talk about that. This event has turned into an international event. It started out as an intra-school weekend where we would have, um, you know, a little small Cervizi tournament and um, we'd have a little small banquet uh, that you alluded to earlier that you do all the time um, and um, uh, seminars, you know, be, have some people come in and teach seminars. Well, this thing has really grown where I've had friends say, Hey, kind of like uh, what Andrew's doing, you know, I, you know, can I bring my students and can I participate in the tournament? And, Oh, um, I have a friend who's really high up in this particular art would love to come in and teach a seminar. So long story short, it's grown throughout the past 10 years to an international event, and it's coming up in March, March 22nd to the 24th. We have it like at a resort hotel with a big water park because I feel that bringing the family, having the kids involved um, is a huge part of what we do. So the kids take part in all this, the seminars, the tournament, the banquet demonstrations, lion dancing. We have instructors coming in from all over the world um, that are legendary uh, on the website too. Um, there's a specific website. If I could just mention that briefly. Yeah, of course, tell me in and I'll type it in and put it in our, and I'll put it in our. Uh, okay, spread. great. It's called the T-H-E extravaganza, E-X-T-R-A-V-A-G-A-N-Z-A yeah. weekend. Okay. Dot, dot com. Okay. And you can find everything on there, Allie and Dwayne, from who is teaching. We've got 14 of the top, top instructors coming in teaching. We've got a meet and greet on Friday evening. We got a VIP grandmaster gathering. We've got a phenomenal banquet with entertainment. And like I said, demonstrations going on, uh, award recipients, black belt recognition and what have you. And then Sunday we have our tournament. So it's, um, yeah, there's no dot right there. Uh, oh, the extravagantweekend.com. Perfect. Yes. Um, and it's going to be a great time. So several thousand people throughout the weekend, but um, it's a fun weekend. I think I spelled it wrong. It's a G, there's a G in there. Extravagant. Yeah, G A N. Yeah, let me fix that. Extravaganza. Yeah, no uh, I have to put my readers on that I turned 60 now, Al. Yeah, I'm well. I take them off for the podcast, but and then I'm wearing them all day long. Um, okay, I, I fixed that. So if you click on it, it'll bring it, should bring it. Yeah. There. It will bring you to who's teaching, what their specialty is. You know, we got Kathy Long coming in and Restita De Jesus. We got GGM Rob Castro. Let me fix that again, Dwayne. It's wrong. It's wrong again. <laughs> the extrav Come on, on Ali. I all right. Extrav. Uh, Gan. I don't drink. <laughs> it must be the. It must be the vegan food. Yes, exactly, exactly. The extravaganza. Weekend.com. Weekend.com. Let's try this one more time. All right, I think that's it now. Yeah, if you go on there, you'll see all these great instructors. You'll see the itinerary up, what's going to happen. You have the tournament link. You have the banquet, uh, the VIP information, and kind of everything, and, and it's fluid. So each week that passes, more information goes up. But it's a bit of a awesome. 
great weekend. And it's just north of Boston at the Doubletree by Hilton, Boston, North Shore. It's a great getaway. And like I said, a great family event to bring uh, to bring the kids. They have, a, like I said, a huge water park. And it's a great facility and a fun weekend for everybody. All right. Awesome. I'll promote it more even on the other pages. Too. Oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Thank you. I can't believe it. We're out of time. We did a whole hour. This was awesome. So let's have you back in the, in the future. Okay? I would love to. And I, and I want to thank you both for what you're doing, because this takes a lot of work on on both your part and you're, you're doing exactly what the discussion we talked about today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. We appreciate it as well. Anything you want to close it out, Dwayne? Yeah, yeah, I'm just, uh, again, we want to have you back on. Appreciate Love everything. So Love thank you. you for all your wisdom. I appreciate it, sir. Thank you, and and thank you both. Bye. All right, have a good day, sir. Bye. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Martial Arts School Learner Talk podcast. This would not be possible if it weren't for the support of our amazing sponsors. Please check out Elite Insights for all your website needs. They can be reached at EliteInsights.com. Add health coaching, helping school owners create a new and easy-to-implement revenue stream for your school. Visit AddHealthCoaching.com. Lead Hunter Media, your online digital marketer and content provider. Visit LeadHunterMedia.com. Academy Kings Growth Consulting and Management Group. They can be reached at AcademyKings.com. And Spark Membership, hands down the best martial arts software for school owner management on the planet. They can be reached at sparkmembership.com. We will see you next time.